Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jonathan Pierce. Eric Cantona has jumped in and seen a kung fu kick. A fan. Terry Alderton. Do you like shoes, madam? And friends. <laughs> <laughs> JP. The mad side of genius. And T. Good to meet you, love. The football friendly. Hello everybody, welcome to JPNT, the football friendly special guest is Pat Nevin today. We'll be talking to him straight away, Terry, because we have to talk about the passing of a football genius in, in Terry Venables. Uh, what are your thoughts, Pat, on that? Um, I do love the fact that um, people talk about the, old, the the game and time's gone past and say, oh, it's different, it's more complicated now, people are more innovative now, and you think, yeah, but Terry, <laughs> seriously? Because mm-hmm. there were good people in the game, had really inventive modern ideas who changed things uh who was funny to be with and i'm sure you know that too um always a smile uh cheeky usually smile uh but understood the game but what a what a, a player's manager what a player's man because you would do anything for him if he was on your side um many of the greats of the english game have talked about him so brilliantly and correctly and it's one of those things you look back now and he will be gauged by the you know is it semi-finals of the euros yeah and all but for penalty kicks, you know, and that's grossly unfair. That's, that's we, we gauge people by stats these days and you don't take into considering, consideration all the different complications, such as, you know, was it a good tournament? Was it good to get that far? Is it just luck? Is it the toss of a coin that you lose it out on? And Terry, in many ways, I don't know if there was a better technical coach of his, of his era, certainly in the, in the English game. I don't think there was. He breathed, he breathed new life into the whole England scene at Euros 96. And people look back at the games, the Scotland game, they remember the Gaza goal celebrations and the Dutch game, they remember the, the passing goal, the Shearer whomped into the back of the net. But the tactical, the tactical nous behind that Dutch display was wonderful. And the fact that he got the whole nation talking about um, you know the football coming home thing helped and everything, but it was just. He, I think he changed. He changed the way football was, was perceived again. After uh, you know, after nineteen ninety, then there was a, you know the barren few years, and then he kicked new life into it again. And and I think Pat as well. I don't know what you agree with me on this, Terry. 
I think he was crucial for European football in what he did at Barcelona. He changed Barcelona's style. And people now go, oh, look at the high press, high press, high press, high press. Terry would get teams doing various things. He'd get them to press in one game, um, which Barcelona weren't up until that period really known for. And then he'd get them to drop off in other games so that would exploit space and other teams would have to come on to them. He, he, he would vary a game, um, as he did in that opening game against Switzerland for England. And I, th- I just think he changed a lot about European football. I don't know whether you agree with that. I think his player choice was always a big thing for him. If you look at his squads that he had at Tottenham, because uh, I used to watch them a lot, there was a good squad of players that clicked. They were together. So that was a big thing for me. He's, um, uh, what's the word, recruiting was was a big thing for Terry. Funnily enough, watching and playing against some of these teams as well, obviously, um, I just liked the attitude. He was generally, you know, a a manager who liked uh, exciting players as well. I mean, in reality, what had happened to Gaza before those Euros, and, you know, but Terry wants him on board, who'll make sure other managers might have ditched him, you know, and you and you wouldn't have had the goal. You wouldn't have the the dentist chair. You wouldn't have had all that. You know. Remember, other managers did ditch Gaza. You know, so he knew the importance of that. And I think you make a great point about the the Dutch game. Remember, the Dutch were what we all looked up to as technical geniuses, etc. And then suddenly England uh, shredded them. I'm doing my best to talk kindly here, being a Scotsman, obviously, and we <laughs> get beaten. <laughs> and I'm doing very well with that. But and a kind of personal one, I think. People will understand that, that lots of folk who've worked with them will tell you that. But the personal stuff was great as well, wasn't it, with Terry? I was um, chairman of the PFA and he was a guest of honour one year, so I'm sitting beside Terry the whole night. And uh, I, I decided not to do the normal thing. I decided not to just announce everybody along the top table. I thought, I'll make it funny. I can I can do jokes. I can do that. And I, I cracked my first joke and it was a joke about, do you remember David Meller? Yeah. Uh, the MP. And remember he was famous for? Chelsea strip and yeah, exactly. <laughs> I cracked this joke and as I cracked the joke it was a good one nailed it really landed it silence and I looked up no one's listening because that's what the PFA does were like then everyone was lathered you know? <laughs> I could see one face about 10 yards ahead of me David Mellon and, <laughs> and Terry's beside me Terry and Terry went, and I, I didn't know them that much, but everyone knew who Terry was. And I'd, we'd had a nice chat at dinner. And he just nudged me. He says, play it straight. And I did. I just went, cut everything else and played the rest of it straight. And it could have been really difficult had yeah. I not done that. And I plowed on. And he did it. He didn't do it with a play it straight. He did it with a play it straight. You know, a Terry smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. and that, the, the reason why I tell you that is he was looking after other people. He kind of cared about players. And that has... He was a very genuine man. I did a few things with him. I, I, I did a TV show with him and Tess Daly, believe it or not, back in many moons ago. And uh, he was one of those people that, that it was the first time I met him. And he was just like, I'd known him for, for all my life. That's the kind of guy he was, wasn't he? He was like straight away chatting, calling me tell. <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay. And uh, it was it was really weird because I was going, oh, but you're Terry Venables. But over the years, I saw him again and again, and, and he remembered you, always remembered you. Well, made out maybe he did. But what was interesting was, you know, when someone says, oh, uh, my wife's auntie used to know Terry Venables very well, but not quite like that. And, uh, you know, people say that. So I thought I'd go up to him and ask. And I said, do you know, uh, do you know Eve Hasco? And he went, his face, he nearly dropped on the floor. He went, Eve Asco, I haven't heard that name in years. And he knew everything yeah. about it. He was telling yeah. me about, what the, you know, how he knew her and how fun they had at times and all that, probably not too much. But it was incredible that, 
you know, he was always very affable. That's what he was. That's the word. I mean. Yeah, he, he, he was. I mean, he, he you know, he, he wrote books. He was. He was. He would get up at Scribes and sing his nightclub. I remember. Oh, and let's not forget one of the biggest TV shows he wrote, didn't he? Hazel. Yeah, yeah. back in the time. Yeah, he was. I mean, he he was. Uh, and he, you're right. He was. What Pat's just said about caring for other people. He was brilliant to me. You know, when I worked on the uh, Capital Goal Euro '96, and he used to play the commentary, um, our commentary to the team on the way to the bus to the to, to Wembley Stadium, and, and um, he, he made that public. And I was down at uh, Bisham for a press conference there uh, during the tournament, and he was surrounded by a lot of um, foreign journalists at the time. And they were saying, they were asking him, uh, uh, you know, uh, who was the star of the tournament. And Terry went, here he is, and pulled me up oh, wow. and said, you've got to speak to him about this and, and about his commentaries, which flattered me enormously and humbled me enormously. And he was he was brilliant to me. And I was there at Football Writers Do the night that the Spurs whole thing started to break down. And he took me to one side and said, look, this is going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And um, we had about 20 minutes there before the proverbial hit the fan. And he and and he was he was terrific to me all the way through. And uh, and the last time I saw Terry was at an FWA do, and uh, two or three years ago. And yeah, I was there with you. And he, yeah, he, and, he um, was a bit shaky and stuff, wasn't he? Well, he was, and yeah. he's had this long illness now. He's, he's now released from it. And he 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 massive smile. Terry, you remember? He came towards mm, me, big yeah, smile, lovely. and he held out his hands, but he couldn't remember my name. I could see that on his face. Yeah, yeah. And he turned to someone, and I could hear him say, what's his name? And the fellow's gone, Jonathan Pierce. Terry then turned around to me and went, JP, it's lovely to see you. Oh, I remember Euro 96, Terry, remember? And he clicked back, yeah. and he was there, and he was so warm. And it was very sad seeing him like that. Though. Ple- like yeah. you say, you know, he's been released from that now. What nice way of looking at it, Jonathan. Well, bless him anyway. Let, let, let's, let's just remember him as he was and, and yeah. remember... Yeah. Terry Venables. Now we need to speak to Pat Nevin. Yes. About football and how to survive it, because this was the second <laughs> the second book, and I'm asking you this question, Mr. Pat Nevin: football and how to survive it. Before we come on to your book, football and how do you survive it? If you're an Everton fan right now, you're an Everton <laughs> legend. That's wild. Good do you know what? It's uh, it's unbelievably difficult for the Evertonians. They were hoping for a you know obviously the left against Manchester United. Um, it didn't happen, obviously, after that two-minute thunder goal from... Uh, Worst Ganache. goal I've ever what seen. It? Worst goal ever. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, cracker, right. So um, so they needed a little bit of left there. It's looking bad, but the Evertonians will get together. Remember, they've got a wee bit previous here, Everton, not for losing 10 points, but for fighting against the odds in the last couple of seasons. So, And they've got a manager in there who's the right man for it. So they're, they're not out of it yet. But they've had lots of bad news in the last few weeks. Obviously, Bill Kenwright lost him. The 10-point thing's a big, big thing. Uh, I didn't talk about that. Other things like Luton. What's going on? You know, they couldn't win. So they've now got a cushion. But, you know, you just get your nose to the grindstone and they understand that this isn't the Everton of times gone past where you are expecting, indeed hoping or expecting to be in the top four or even winning leagues is a different thing now. And the Evertonians accept it. They always call themselves the people's club. So I think they'll enjoy the battle. Uh, I hope they're going to enjoy the battle. Um, I wouldn't give up on them. And certainly I don't think anyone does. Uh, I've been at a couple of games this season. The atmosphere has been phenomenal, really brilliant. You know, so it's bad. It's hard. I think it's, I'll be honest with you, I think it's draconian. I think it's really unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, 20 million quid, right? So 20 million quid 
is what they're over in the day. And it's complicated. It's never as simple as people think it is, right? That's the way football accounts work. But it's, it comes to this 20 million quid of debt that they're over the number they should be. And um, 20 million quid, what does that get you these days in the Premier League? Left leg of a striker? <laughs> I mean, seriously. I oh, know, it's ridiculous we're saying this. Yeah, I mean, for 200 million quid they had for the stadium rights that they couldn't take because of the sanctions. And then, you know, they had a player who we won't name, but player X, who had they had they been able to sell him instead of the, they was kind of sacked and left, that would have been 40, 50 million they could have got from him, sorted, no problem. There's all the stuff that is just accountants arguing with each other because you're, you're, you've gone through COVID. You've building a new stadium. It's kind of tough, you know, it's kind of... And you thought, well, fair enough, you've broken the rules, you'll, you'll get a, a bit of a hit for it. Um, but 10 points, honestly, it it just seems a bit odd, really. I, I think, and then, by the way, underline, hands up now, they were in the wrong, they got it wrong. They spent terribly, I mean, stupidly, three quarters of a billion quid, yet look where they are. Um, beware Chelsea. Money. I know, beware Chelsea. They've spent a billion. Billion doesn't get you certainty. It gets you a chance. Yeah. They've spent that and look where they are just now. So a huge amount of money. But when it comes right down to it, they'd sold Anthony Gordon, they'd sold Richarlis, and they tried to get their, their, their sales. They were working with the people. Now, so I feel quite sad, sad forever and annoyed forever. And, but, and there's still an appeal to go. But in reality, football, sod it. Fans, forget it. You've got a battle one. Go and win it. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you uh, think they'll win that? Sorry, Jonathan. Do you think they'll win that um, tribunal? Um, or the, or the, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if the points deduction is reduced. I don't think they'll win it um, because they won't. They won't back down. Right. The league won't back down. But um, not even with those uh, great and, and also and also Terry, they can't back down because they broke. As Pat said, they've been found guilty of breaking the rules. And I know they were working hard to, to try and alleviate the situation, but guilty is guilty. But they and came forward, though, didn't they, Everton? Yes, they did, but guilty is guilty. And they will, what, what I think they will have the points deduction reduced. I'd be surprised if they don't. But now we need to see what's going on. We need to see this now being a benchmark and other clubs, and they will now hunt other clubs down. This is the start of it. The Manchester City thing is ongoing. It's incredibly complex, that one. And um, there are other clubs that are going to get hit now. They'll, they'll go for other clubs. And if you think Everton are the only club that are guilty for this, come on, wake up. Yeah, Smell yeah, the roses. And uh, to be honest, I'm not arguing against that because the rules are there for a reason. And if they're there, you've got to abide by them. But you also look at the, the Premier League with this massive big shotgun. And they've got the foot right there. And they're going, <laughs> bang! Because <Great laughs> they are. In reality, because you, you take it to uh, conclusions, right? Logical conclusions. That's what I always do with things. You have to look for unexpected consequences and logical conclusions. So the logical conclusion of it is you're going to have to slightly readdress the payments of players, go down a little bit. Well, they go somewhere else. Full stop. I'm, I'm just they're, they're going somewhere else. They're going to Saudi. That, that's what will happen. Okay. So your 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 EPL, which is the leading light in the world by miles at the moment. These don't, things don't always last forever. Remember, Serie A used to be. You remember, we live in a world that can change, right? So there is that. The world can change in another way, which we all know about, which is Super League. Now, if you start kicking teams out of leagues, they may actually have somewhere to go. Oh, yeah, it's a good point, Pat. <laughs> yeah, very good. And, you know, always follow the money. Always follow the money. Now, I've worked in football for years, and I've been executive, and I've worked PFHA. I've done lots and lots of things. And I've learned one thing. 
you follow the money. And you, people that talk about, oh, my love of the club, oh, come on, have a look at who owns the clubs now. Mm. <laughs> Seriously? Are you kidding? And so the, this is money. And where is the money? 20 years' time, where's the money? We well, you say about money. Super Leagues, Pat, um, you know, that, that makes me way, start... I don't, I don't favour it. No, man. no, 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 no. no. But what, what, it just makes me start thinking about how the Americans work with the, with the franchises. Do you know what I mean? Will we get to a point where people will just set up a club? Like, for example, you know, will two clubs come together to set up another club to play in the Super League? I mean, if the Super League, you haven't got to get there through any merit. You've got to get there by going, we've got 200 million to play with football. I mean, do you see what I'm getting at? Like how the I NFL can see works? Going, the, the world can change. Everyone told you that things won't happen. We should be chatting about this before about golf how can you change that ancient game and then live come in and then suddenly golf right so tennis that will go all of them can go those directions i'm not i don't know what directions football will go but just i'm not saying don't punish chelsea or don't punish man city or don't punish Everton. i'm not saying that absolutely not but be aware of the consequences that mm. could happen because they are extraordinary yeah and work with the clubs as well. By the way, Super League Stage 1 comes in in September of 2024. Make no mistake about that. Is the that, Champions it, just League going back is to Super my, League. My question on that. Sorry, JP. Is that going to be invite only? or uh, No, I mean, no, no. You have to qualify. But we don't know how many teams are going to be there from England. And we don't know how many teams are going to be there from the other countries at this moment in so time. So when you qualify for the Super League, are you in it just for that that season? Like Oh, no, it's not Super League. It's Champions League, Terry. But it's House. Super League by another name. But um, Right, so... But, Sorry, that's my it's, ignorance there. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's a step on the, the way. The reformed Champions League is a step on the way to, right. to Super League. I get but they, they cannot have Super League. They cannot have any, whatever setup you call it, without promotion and, and without right. being a, a, able to qualify for it. Or, um, you know, if you deny the pyramid, you deny football, you deny the joy. We've had enough of denial of the joy because well, of that, VAR. That We've point. had enough what, of the madness. Yes. But let's talk about madness. Oh, well, Let's talk about madness of a player that was so very, very gifted <laughs> at Chelsea Football Club and Everton Football Club and Scotland and then and Tranmere as well with the playoffs, three playoffs in a row, I think it was, Pat. And then you went into the madness, chief executive of Motherwell Football Club. What yeah. on earth were you doing? This yeah, is what, all in the book. What a change that is. I uh, know. Um, yeah, well, being chairman. Right, like, first of all, history lesson. Oh, <laughs> not, a, not a nasty one. Uh, I'd been chairman of the PFA. I'd been studying for a degree before I went into football, which was, you know, business admin and business and accountancy and economics and law. Right. So, you know, I've kind of got a better background in, in the area, but I've never wanted to be a manager, but I never wanted to be an executive either. But I came to near the end of my career and it is in the book, this second book, uh, The Football, How It Survived It. And I was coming to the end of my career and I was at Kilmarnock, I was having a great time, but I had a little fallout. They, they tried to trick me and not give me what I was due. And I'm I'm quite moral and earnest, as you probably learned over the years. A bit too much so. Um, and I was so furious. And just at that moment, someone who I vaguely knew had bought a football club. But I knew the square root of nothing about football. Now, that could never happen now. <laughs> Good face so, for people listening. Yeah, exactly. So, depth of irony there, dripping off... So he he kind of knew me a bit and he'd said, hey, why don't you come and run the football club for me? And I said, well, I've got a bit of my career left. You know, I can still play. And he said, well, you could run it and you could actually be manager, you could be player. In fact, you do what you like with a club, which 
it's quite a big thing. And I kind of knew the guy had these business ideologies, which I kind of related to. You know, it's always cool with the workers and shared profits and all that sort of stuff. You know, very, um, you know, I, I like the idea. They were a wee bit idealistic, but I kind of like the concept of trying it anyway. So I went into it with, uh, with my eyes kind of still open that it would be difficult. Uh, but I then had uh, four of the wildest years that you could imagine after a career had been great fun, the vast majority of it. Um, the second book, the second part of the second book, because this second book covered my time at Tranmere, time at, um, at Kilmarnock, uh, then on this half, a good half of it is Motherwell and the, the traumas uh, and the highs, but also the traumas. But I have to say the madness, madness of it is quite funny. And I have to tell you, Jonathan and Terry, that quite a few times the publishers phoned up and said, are you sure that happened? I mean, really? <laughs> did it? I mean, yeah, you're not just making that up, are you? <laughs> no, yes, we did have a 16-yard line, not an 18-yard line. That is, that is actually true. <laughs> you can do what you want. <laughs> I mean, one minute you were jetting around, literally jetting around, weren't you? And then and the next minute you were... John Boyle was the chairman, wasn't he? Was yeah, it John was Boyle? It. And was, um, you were exactly. fighting against administration. Yeah, it was more than a minute. It was a year and a half or two years. Um, but we actually worked it up really quickly to a team that was struggling against relegation, to a team that was battling for third place. Now, we missed out in third place by, a, I think it was a point, uh, and that was done in quick time, really double quick time. And considering third place, people may go, you're on third place in, in Scotland. You can't get to first or second at that time. That's Celtic and Rangers. They have got such tons more money, but we came, became really quite competitive. But I'd always thought, well, wait a minute. Do you really keep on throwing money at this? I'd watched enough football. I'd been in the PFA. I'd seen enough wealthy owners get fed up with it or not understand it or you know things go wrong financially that I always knew it was a possibility. So it was there in the back of my mind. So... A, it was a hard job. B, I understood it. C, we did it in an interesting way and it was successful. But you're right. John and I, John had said to me, the classic line, he said to me one day, he said, well, I don't know much about football and he, he owns the club at this point. I said, yeah, I know. I'm thinking that, that's a corner flag over there, you know. <laughs> and it's, I said like, and I'm seriously, I didn't really, didn't, I didn't know if he'd ever been again. So I said to him, look mate, um, we should get you a game. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I think we should go to a game. There's, there's one on tomorrow night. And I went, yeah, that, that, that's the Champions League final, mate. Uh, <laughs> that's Manchester United versus Bayern Munich at Barcelona. You know, we, we sort of got a ticket. And he produces four tickets. And then, of course, wow. he then produces the hotel. And then he produces the fact that he's got his, those seats, are the front seats right in the middle of the park. But most importantly, he's going to take us there in a Learjet because there are no planes available. And you're thinking, that's madness. But you're right. We, within a very, very short period of time, you're selling higher cars. You're getting rid of half a team. I have to get rid of them. I'm the one who has to sell them. And I'm trying to do this in a moralistic way as well. And the trials and tribulations, the pain of that, were incredibly hard. So it, people say to you, um, or say to me, you know, no one's ever done it before or since. Play a chief exec. There's a bloody good reason for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's why, mental. Let me ask you, Pat, why did he, if, if he's a man of not, not of football, why did he decide he wanted to buy a football club? Well, I often ask that question to him. Right, so why do, why do most of them do it? So if you've got all the houses you want, um, if you've got all the money you'll ever need, 
like to go a wee bit Monty Python on you. All the gold you can ever eat. Um, you can <laughs> if you've got everything. The one thing you've not got that looks really pretty cool is fame. From the outside, uh, yeah. it looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now, he said he was doing it for the community. And I went, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> but, cause it, but he did work quite well for the community. But there's also, he did say in the same sentence, he did say the phrase, but you do know that if you are a chairman and owner of a small Scottish football club, a mid-sized Scottish football club at Motherwell, you're more well-known than the chief executive of Marks and Spencers. Right. And he's right. Yeah, He's absolutely right. So yeah. it must have been something that he quite liked. I tried to talk him out of it, saying that the fame thing's not great. There's, too, there's more downsides than upsides as far as I'm concerned, and Oral yeah, was well. I agree on that. Um, and he discovered that because he was lacerated in the press, hammered in the press for a variety of things. And they used to take the mickey out of him because he was a wee bit... Um, they used to make the, do the, the Frankie Howard voice for him. Oh, titter ye not, sort of stuff. <laughs> And um, because, you know, he wasn't as um, as butch as many football people right, were. Okay. That yeah. me being as delicate as I possibly can yeah, be. I know. Um and, and again, another reason why I wanted to work with the guy, because he was such an outsider. Like and I mean he made, he made me look like Terry Harlock, you know. <laughs> 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 uh. Or sound like Terry Harlock. So so there you go. It was it was kinda interesting to do, but it was brilliant to write about because the weirdness of it. And again, being an outsider on the inside and then saying, Ash, I'm just going to tell you all what happened. Mm. I mean, a lot of it doesn't, I don't know if it, I, I come across particularly great. I might come across as naive and always trying to be St. Effing Patrick all the time. <laughs> Let's come back but, to that a minute. Because there was another book you co-wrote called In, In My Head, I think it was. You dealt with the psychological aspects of yeah. when you were coming to the end of your career. I want to know how you psychologically dealt with having to release players. We're back after the break. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. JPNT, the football friendly. Welcome back to JPNT, the football friendly. Just talking to Pat Nevin here um, uh, 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 about his second book uh, that's been out for a little while, but will be brilliant. If you're a football fan, um, then with Christmas coming up, then um, and, and you know other football fans, Pat Nevin, Football and How to Survive It. And we're talking about his days as chief exec. And you mentioned there it's hard. You had to deal with the players that you had to get rid of. And you would have had that in your career you'd have seen that in your playing career how did you deal with this bearing in mind you were very aware of the psychological problems of as you come to the end of your career how did you deal with that i found it um, very difficult i never wanted to be a manager for a number of reasons i didn't think i was the right personality to be a manager and one of the reasons was i hated the concept of me say, making the decision you're going and i'm going to affect you your family and um, your, your future everything and even having to tell that to young kids, kill all the dreams, right? So I never fancied that. But of course, being chief executive, 
I sometimes were put in the position to have to do that. Um, the manager would make a decision in the players, right? But sometimes I was left to tell them. And particularly when it was, you know, the, the saving money things, it was left for me to do a lot of that. Do you know the simplest thing you can do? Tell them the truth. Just be honest. Just absolutely straight up, give you between the eyes, look, the team, the finances are difficult. Um, I'm not going to tell you how difficult they are, but we can't afford it anymore. So that's what we have to do. Um, and I explained it to them all. And to be honest, I, I actually can't remember one player really falling out with me over that. I can remember one player falling out with me over, you know, he didn't think he was getting what he got in his contract. And I felt out like with uh, it was yeah. Ned Kelly up of all people. You remember him sent it forward. Um, but, you know, other than and then the fact that he tried to punch your manager and or assistant manager yeah, and trying to punch Terry Butcher is not, it's not a great idea, let's be fair. <laughs> so um, I had to try and deal with all that. And that's the mate that every time you talk about something like this, how do you deal with that, the psychology of it? It's just when it comes down to it, you're some, there's, there's often gray areas. You know, we all want the world to be black and white, right and wrong, yes and no. Like, you know, everybody wants to tell you what's right and wrong in Palestine and Israel, right? Like, as if there's no bleeding nuance there and no complication there. Um, so I, I, I kind of bores me that. But when it gets right down to it with certain situations in your life, there is a zero-sum game and there is no chance to do absolutely the right thing. So just do the honest thing. You know, that, that's what I find myself doing. So your man's come in, like you were saying. Um but he's coming. He's bought a football club. He's got all the money and all that. But now we've got financial problems. So has he not realised that actually it costs a lot of money to have a football club? I t- I told him. I warned him <laughs> constantly. And again, it's in the book of my warnings to him. I thought he was stupid buying a football club because we all know the old phrase. We can all sing it along now. How do you become a, a very wealthy a wealthy person in football? If you buy a football club, you start extremely wealthy then you'll become wealthy, i.e. you will lose fortunes, whatever happens, right? So that, that's the way it is in football. And I did give him all the warnings, but he seemed very, very keen on it. I tried to explain how he should do it. I gave him methods to do it and how much he should spend. He always wanted to go for the big money. But, you know, other things happen outside. You know, the the, the crash that happened, the financial crash that happened in the, just before that, in 2008, 2007, 2008, 2009, the ramifications of that. Can you remember what happened with um, the, the, the English Football League the, the, with the television deal there that crashed there? We had a television deal that was supposed to give $60 million that Sky wanted to give. By the end, it only produced 12 That's what was happening. Everything around you was fun. So it's not just him. The whole thing around it. And this guy, was his big thing was um, vulture. Sorry, I meant to say venture capitalism. Um, and his big thing was that. Now, you try and do that in modern tech when the dot-com bubble's happening, you're going to lose, like, you're going to lose. So it's not just the simple things you spend all your money, you, you've made 80 million quid in a deal and you go and spend it stupidly. It's more complicated than that. Like, we all want it to be simple. It's like JP said. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. what you said, JP. You know, people think this thing at Everton simple. It's no, it's not we're getting the headlines of it because it's got yeah, I mean, to do. don't 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 get me started on people that say you know well so and so that they're out of form right sat the manager bring in another manager buy players in january it's it's, it's so much more complicated than yeah. the game is complicated how you survive it i don't know pat nevin you have survived it <laughs> and, and football how to survive it get that book i want to bring us on because time is tight 
I want to bring us on to, I know you'll be, well, I hope you'll be out there in summer in Germany. I will Scotland be. will be there in Germany. And this weekend I'll be doing, I hope to be there. I've been at every championship now since 1988, including the Germany championships of Euros in 1988. Wonderful winning goal. Talk about that another time and how I'd lost a bet for £22,000 because, oh, no, I, I'm not going to, so for another day. But, what? but anyway, yeah, another story. But anyway, I'm doing the draw. Scotland, worst scenario for me, Pat Nevin, is France or England, Hungary or Denmark, Italy or Wales. Best scenario for them, Belgium, Albania, or playoff, one of the playoff teams, another one of the playoff teams, not Wales. Or best scenario, England. Because um, I think, I think that would be a minefield game for England, you know. Look, the draw is the thing, right? Scotland played against England, I've had the part Scotland get taught a lesson. Absolutely. There wasn't one player on the Scotland team that would get a game in the England team, right? And that's from a Scotsman who loves his, his uh, country and his team. So we would rather stay away from England just now. I think England will be up for it. They will bring the best players in the best game. So I would I'd rather... And we played France recently as well and we got hiding from them. So we know it's going to be tough for us. So the way we look at it is, you know, it's the rest of the draw. Now, the time that I played in the Euros in 92, we had a good draw. All we had in our group was the world champions the European champions and Russia, or CIS as it was called then. And, you know, the, the Dutch weren't that good. You know, the, the, all they had was Hulet, Van Basten, Bergkamp. Kind of could go on quite a long time. <laughs> so it's the draw. Now, Scotland actually fell into pot three, didn't they? It could have been in pot two. We were very close to it. We were one goal away from it. I looked at the draw. I'm happy with pot three. <laughs> really, I actually think it's a good one. I think it's we, we it's better to be there because some of the teams in pot two are not as scary, are they? As some of the teams in pot three, all it is is a, a, a throw of the dice or a toss of the coin. We know we're going to get one big one. I'd rather it wasn't France and I'd rather it wasn't England because, in simple terms, I think they're the two favourites to win the tournament. I think they're the two best teams. I, I think France have got the best squad. The French are great. The French are great. I mean that when you look back, when you look back on that France England game. You know that was you know that was really really special and that was the top level you could you, you would get to in European football anyway over the World Cup. So yeah, and the, the quality of players in, in those two teams, I don't think Scotland really necessarily have a way around that. We did get a no nil draw, we will back down at Wembley, but in reality that's a big call for us. I know England wouldn't like it because it'd be a battle, and that would kind of suit Scotland, uh, but that's not what we want. But hey, if it happens, I'll enjoy being there. <laughs> What a job! What a job he's done, Pat Steve Clark. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, obviously, he's a mate of mine. Uh, we played together at Chelsea for four or five years. We're great friends. Um, we I've, I've told you this before, I don't know. Do you know who we played for together? So we played together yeah. for Chelsea and Scotland and England. <laughs> what? <laughs> exactly. Now we played. Steve and I were both chosen for the English league team against the rest of the world so the uh, maradona was on the other side and platini but yes we had to pull on the three lines stevie clark oh, and i together <laughs> so uh, this is the proudest day of your life yeah i'm saying note mate <laughs> so but no he's done a great job and to be honest with him you know good players but he has maximized that fantastic but give me i'll, I'll cover you with one thing about him right so he finds ways of getting things to work, like getting Tierney and, and, and what's his name, the left back for Liverpool, Robertson to work together. Brilliant. Right, great. That's one thing. He figured out how to get the best of McTominay. How long has McTominay been at Manchester United and they've never figured that out? 
yet he managed it. How do you, you do that? So, Clarkie, different class, man. Been a joy to speak to you again, it's always Pat. lovely. Been a joy to speak to you again. The one time I actually played 11v11 on the pitch at Ashton Gate, by the way, I played for BBC Radio Bristol against the Radio 1 DJs, and I didn't play in the red and white. I played in the blue and white quarter strip of Bristol Rovers, and my dad never, ever let me forget it. <laughs> but there you go. Listen, Pat, Thanks, it's been Pat. a joy. It's been a Don't joy. Get the book, get, get the book and read the book. Yeah, get the Thank book. you very much, guys. Thanks, man. Sports Social Podcast Network.